How does God take a delete, untouchable, very poor young man who once worshiped 120 gods and call him to surrender his life to Jesus and become a church planning pastor with a vision to start 242,000 house churches among the poorest of the poor in India? Get ready to hear an incredible story as Pastor M from India will share with us about his call into church planning ministry. Welcome to the 360 Serve podcast. I'm Mark Tyler, president of 360 Serve. I bet you would agree that much of what we hear today from our secular media is often only bad news, right? (laughs) It can be depressing. The secular media only tells us what people and governments are doing around the world. And people and governments around the world aren't doing so well. The truth is, we're witnessing today one of the greatest turnings to Jesus our world has ever seen. And it's because indigenous church planting pastors are leading the charge and bringing the gospel with power to tens of thousands of least reached people in our world. 360 Serve is about a new way to do missions where we help you support indigenous church planting pastors, sending them into full-time gospel ministry so they can reach their own country for Christ. They speak their language, they know their culture, and they're very effective in the ministry that they bring to their own country. The 360 Serve podcast is dedicated to interviewing these amazing church planting pastors so you can hear straight from them the incredible things God is doing today and how you can get involved. I trust it's been a blessing for you to get to know Pastor M, our movement leader from India. Let's jump into our conversation with Pastor M on the topic of his call into church planning ministry. Well, it's a blessing once again to be back with our movement leader from India, Pastor M. How are you doing today, Pastor M? Pastor Mark, uh, yes, I am doing really well. Uh, uh, I want to thank God for this wonderful opportunity. And I want to thank 360 Sure family for prayer and for the great support. Yes. Amen. Well, I'm excited about this episode, uh, really, because we get to turn back to your story, your personal story. And we're really in this you know, segment, we're going to hear about your calling, the calling of God on your life into the ministry. And, um, you know, in episode four, you shared with us the story of your salvation and how these two evangelists, they came to your village, you had never heard about Jesus, and they come to your village and they're preaching the gospel, and they shared with you that Jesus is the only God who can save the sinner, and that spoke to you deeply. And, you know, you prayed and you invited Christ, you know, uh, into your life, and you began to feel the presence of the Lord, his peace and his love for the first time in your life. And uh, yes, that was an amazing moment. And then let's kind of pick it up from there as to what happens next, because the Lord immediately begins to, you know, work in your life in a deep way, bringing you into something that I know you had never imagined for your life. But what happens next after, you know, these evangelists come and, and pick up the story at that point, Pastor M.? You know, uh, Pastor Mark, <clears throat> I think I just want to uh, say a little bit more deeper way. Uh, you know, uh, before this incident happened, you know, uh, I was part of Hindu Phenetics family. We are three brothers, you know, I'm the youngest one in my family as well as in, in, in my whole generation. 
and we were strong, uh, you know, just worshippers of many, many Hindus' God. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and uh, there was no peace in my family, always, always fighting. Uh, and I was able to see every year, even we were sacrificing six, seven kinds of animals before all these goddesses to please them, you know. But I saw, uh, you know, always, always tension, always fighting was going on. Mm. Uh, being a youngest one means I was not able to even raise a question. I was not able to ask my father why we are doing all kinds of things and even we are not you know, just like uh, happy, you know. Uh, so it was such a terrible situation. Mm. But, you know, uh, my brother, who's older than me, he got very sick. So we took him to many, many hospitals, uh, you know, uh, many temples and, uh, you know, many uh, to witch doctors to perform all kinds of, you know, darkest, uh, like, you know, rituals. And nothing happened. He was just strong when he became sick. He was very weak and he was about to die. Means we had no hope, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, just we were waiting that he would be die today, tomorrow like that. Uh, and he was newly married. So uh, it, was, it was really, uh, you know, terrible situation that we were going through. What happened? Uh, you know, these two evangelists, they came and they were just preaching about Jesus. They were sharing that Jesus is the, the real God. And if you believe in Jesus, he will, he will heal you. And because my brother was so sick, so I heard all this thing. Uh, but, you know, uh, I want to just talk with them. But I started to shout on them because I hate Christianity for one reason, uh, because our Hindu priest, uh, they told us that, you know, Christians are very bad. They are the one they eat our God, like they eat the cow meat, uh, you know, and we worship like cow is like our holy mother. So I hate uh, those two evangelists, why uh, they came to our village and preaching about Jesus. So what happened, you know, it was like uh, really, you know, tough time. I started to shout on them and they saw me and they think that this guy will beat us if we will not uh, leave this village. Uh, so, so after two hours they came and they asked uh, why you have, you know, shouted on us, why you, you know, just stop us. We heard about uh, you that your brother is sick. We came to your house to pray for your brother. Mm. So, you know, because I want to see that my brother will get a you know new life. Somehow he need to be healed. And I told them, no, go away because we don't have money to pay. And they said, we will pay freely. Uh, like, you know, so they pray uh, for half an hour. While they were praying, I saw something that is going on over there. Uh, I heard the voice. I started to cry over there. Mm. And I feel the presence of Holy Spirit over there. And that day I experienced the living God. And uh, uh, they told me that God is going to do the miracle. You need to continue pray for your brother. And I told them, I don't know how to pray. And they said, no, 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 you will pray. 
So I started to go to Riverside, raising my hands for half an hour, 40 minutes. And one prayer I was just praying, God, if you heal my brother, I know you are real. Mm. If you heal my brother, I will give my life to, mm. to you to serve you. And uh, uh, I am uh, uh, just, you know, pretty much thankful, uh, uh, you know, uh, that God has uh, healed my brother. Yeah. So how long did it take? You know, I mean, was he healed over a few days or instantly or what happened there? Uh, within a month, uh, he was healed. Wow. Uh so, so yes, yes. Okay. Uh, within a month. Yeah, yeah. And so in your life, I mean, you had made this kind of pledge to the Lord. If he healed your brother, you'd give your life fully to him, like in service. And uh, what, what happened next then? You know, uh, we were very strong worshiper of Hindu goddesses, my whole family. So uh, when my brother was healed, I know that Jesus is the only one who healed him. Uh, uh, so, so what I started to tell my father that we need to quit worshiping all these, uh, all these goddesses. Uh, we should not uh, uh, worship them because they are not living their fake. So I was like arguing with my father, and my father was saying, "Why we have to, you know, quit worshiping all these our uh, goddesses? If we will quit, they will kill us." Hmm. Uh, because of fear, they were just like worshiping. And I said, no, our God, Jesus is stronger than any other God. He will protect us. So I was arguing with my father and my father got angry on me because I was not listening to him. And he said, you should not be here. So I was like kicked out, uh, mm. <laughs> you know, uh, from my house. Uh, uh, means uh, nobody talked to me. Nobody loves me. Uh, because I become crazy for Christ, I was always <laughs> talking about Jesus. Uh, so this has happened. Yeah. Wow. And so you're guessing you're about what twenty years old? I don't know at this point or younger when this took place. You know, I don't know uh, how old I am exactly, but I think I was maybe seventeen, okay. eighteen year old. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Here you are, kicked out of your house for surrendering your life to Jesus. And, I mean, did your dad have aspirations for your life, and here you are? I mean, did you tell him, like, hey, I want to serve God kind of thing? Uh, what was that like? Yes, uh, of course, I had plan. You know, I wanted to be in an Indian army to serve our country. Uh, you know, when my brother was very sick, uh, so whatever we had, we sold because we want to save his life. Uh, so we become the poorest of the poor, and uh, uh, you know, Jesus. When Jesus healed my brother, you know, uh, and we, we are becoming good, but we were not having anything to survive our life. So, uh, like I was like eighteen, nineteen or old, and uh, you know, I should just you know work to bring money. Uh, even I was selected as an Indian Army to to go and join. My father was happy that, you know, everything is normal, become normal, uh, that my son got healed, my youngest son is going to join the Indian Army, so he will bring money, so everything will be okay. So one day we were talking, and I said, no, I will just become the Army for Jesus. I will not go to join the Indian Army. 
And my father get really upset on me and he said, you should not be here. You should just just go from our, our house, you know. Uh, so I was like kicked out because I was not listening to my father. I was not obeying and none of my family members, they love me that uh, during that time. Uh, so because I was not listening to them. Mm. So yes, yeah, this has happened. Uh, so when I was like alone, uh, like living in college hostel, uh, just, uh, you know, uh, I was studying in that college. So I, you know, I went to talk to some of my friends and I started to stay with them. Mm. Uh, so, uh, yes, and just walking from there to the small house church for 45 minutes uh, to learn about Jesus. Yes, so you're, yes. you're starting to be discipled, uh, you're learning more about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, which is all new to you, but you're kicked out of your house. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Wow. yeah. Okay. So, so when I started to just go to that church, that pastor was also pretty new, so he sent me uh, to a Bible school. Mm to learn about, you know, uh, God uh, more and more. Uh, yeah. Wow. And um, while I was in my Bible school learning about Jesus every day, uh, you know, just uh, learning and learning, uh, I came to know that my, my same brother, because he was so educated and uh, he knew that Jesus healed him. So he also started to learn about Jesus by reading the books uh, here and there, uh, and he finds some tracks about Jesus, New Testament, and he also fell in love with Jesus, wow. and uh, uh, he started to share the story of Jesus to different, different people, and then praise God. Uh, I was in Bible school, he was preaching in the village, rural villages area, God was at work, yes. <laughs> wow, okay, so that's exciting, and so... The Lord's at work in him. You're preparing your heart to serve the Lord. And uh, I mean, God was using him in a great way. And you're hearing about this. Did you guys ever share ministry together? Did you join him on any of that? Yeah. So when I was in Bible school, like after six months, I came back to my village. Mm. And I went to my house and I saw that my same brother, you know, who was healed by Jesus, he started to just say about Jesus he started to bring a couple of people in our house and worshiping together. Uh, he don't know how to worship, uh, but just just they were singing the song and, and just reading the word of God from some chapters, mm. you know, uh, and they were just enjoying. So I, I started to help them how to have the church service. Uh, wow. And uh, he was educated, so he learned quickly. And uh, then I returned to Bible school and he learned a little bit and he started uh, many house churches in, 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 in our village areas. Yeah. Wow. And meanwhile, you're getting educated. God is speaking to you more and more about this whole vision of church planning, right? And are you beginning to learn about, you know, unreached, unengaged people groups, this sort of thing? That's right. You know, when I was in my Bible school, uh, I, I did really good over there. So the same Bible school, they choose me to be a staff over there mm. uh, to do the ministry with them. So I worked over there for nine years wow. from 2002 
2009, uh, almost eight, nine years. Uh, and uh, in 2009, late, like in the month of December, uh, you know, I was so discouraged and I started to pray, God, uh, uh, you know, just give me something. I mm. want to do different things. I do not want to duplicate. So I was doing fasting prayer, you know, just asking God, praying and praying and, and praise God. God started to speak to me about unreached, unengaged people groups, mm. uh, you know, uh, uh, and I, I, I just, I was very much challenged because a couple of ministries, they were working among 10 people groups and all of the ministry were just duplicating. So, so, so over, over 400 unengaged unengaged people groups are listed in our state, especially in Northern India. And it was like really, really, you know, challenging things for me because most of the ministries are duplicating uh, working among 10 fives, I said, God, help us or make me able so that I can think differently and I can look at for all these people groups. Mm. Uh, so I was just learning about uh, reaching unengaged on these people group. Yeah. yeah. Well, it sounds like, you know, God was just putting in your heart this passion to not duplicate, like you're saying, but to go where there is no church, to reach out to these people groups that are completely unreached and do it in a way that is led of the Holy Spirit. So what happens next, Pastor M, in just this whole progression of what God's building? Well, uh, so I've gone through some learning uh, process for reaching unengaged and this people group. And in 2010, you know, God helped me to start a church planting movement among unengaged, unreached people groups. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I am very much thankful to God because uh, God really did uh, the things, especially in Northern India. Uh, I got in touch with a couple of leaders who have impacted the world and they started to trust on me. Pastor M will do some, some different and great things in uh, Northern India. Mm. Yeah, and they started to help me. They started to support me. And I am very much thankful. God uh, did a uh, you know, big thing here. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I just, uh, I was the only one and my wife, we were doing ministry together, my brother. And now, uh, in, you know, from 2010 to 2013, almost like, over 120 uh, full-time church planters and trainers started to work hard to reach unengaged unleashed people group. Mm. Uh, yeah, from 17, 18 house churches, we started to count in three years, almost 2,000 house churches across Northern India among, uh, you know, all these 89 different, different unengaged unleashed people groups. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amen. So God is just blessing this movement. It's continuing to grow. And then I think something really powerful, uh, you know, happened in your life in 2013. What was that? Well, uh, you know, 2013 was uh, uh, the year uh, uh, that has really become the turning point of my life. You know, uh, God, uh, you know, healed my brother 
I gone through some training, started to the church planting ministry, uh, seeing the good result. Thousands of people were coming to Christ. But in 2012 and 13, the, 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 the big cloud fell down, you know, along uh, uh, on the Himalayan mountain, like the place called Kedarnath, Uttarakasi, Uttarakhand, all these, the, the hills area where, you know, uh, like having landslide or big flood, the big water, the houses were broken. And uh, that was considered as a national disaster. Mm. Uh, you know, the villagers, like when I went over there, they were saying that the city were washed out uh, and just uh, gone into the Ganges River uh, in the middle of night. Uh, you know, the big landsliding happened, the whole, the town were just gone. Uh, I heard over 20,000 people were killed. So I went over there to, to give them, to provide them the safe water because some of my friends, they contacted me. So I was going into the rural villages, like even where there was no roads, just hiking on those mountains and just meeting with those villagers and asking question, how do you feel? Almost like 20,000 people died mm. in uh, one or two nights uh, in this area. And they were happy. They were happily saying to me that they were so lucky because they died in Ganges. Wow. So for, for three nights, I was not able to sleep. Mm. Uh, looks like I was like, I was like fighting with my heart and I was asking God, what is happening here? Why all these people are so crazy about Ganges River? But I came to know, and most of the Hindus people, they knew, they believed that the Ganges is one of the holiest river in the world. Mm. And they believe that if they will drink the water, uh, you know, uh, they will be sickness free, mm. uh, uh, you know, if they will die and, you know, just uh, burnt alongside the Ganges River. And if their ashes thrown into the, the river, uh, they will go to heaven because they believe that the Ganges River is coming from the top of Himalayan mountain where the, the, the Kalas mountain, where the, mm. the, the, the big God of Hindus lives, you know, the temples. So most of the Hindu, they believe that, uh, you know, Ganges River have a direct connection uh, from earth to heaven. Mm. So, so I was like crying over there. I said, God, what is happening? This is unreal. You know, these people are like crazy. They don't understand. They are not worshiping you. They are worshiping the creature, mm. not the creator. So I was just like stuck over there. You know, I went over there for three days, but I stay like five days because the landsliding was happening. The road were blocked. Uh, it was a terrible situation. I experienced uh, the death means uh, what is, what is uh, the fear of death? Mm. Because just sleeping and then the big, you know, uh, stone coming from uh, the mountain looks like it will hit your house wow. or the landslide. Wow. It was so difficult. And uh, I was reading the word of God and uh, God showed me the word. 
like Habakkuk 2.14 talks about uh, the earth will be filled with the glory of the knowledge as waters covers the sea. And I was very much challenged uh, that this is the vision of God that one day the planet, the, mm. all the people will be filled with his knowledge uh, as waters covers the sea. And this become hope. I was very much challenged. I said, God, there are five states has been, you know, influenced or covered by the Ganges River. The, this five states goes uh, along with the Ganges River and almost like 600 million people and uh, less than 1% Christian. So God give us power. And, you know, I saw a vision that uh, God wants to see a church in every villages of Northern India. Mm. And I counted all those numbers and I saw uh, that, you know, God wants to, you know, see a church in every villages of Northern India, which means 242,000 churches we have to plant uh, mm. along with the Ganges River. And this become my, my passion, this become my vision, because I, I want to start a, a little land in every villages of Northern India. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, maybe in the next session, I'll share the story of how I met you and how I heard this vision and how that deeply impacted me, because this is the vision which you share with me. This is God's vision. You know, this is not just Pastor M's vision. The Lord certainly did an amazing work in your life. And I think it's just beautiful how, Pastor M, you were led by the Holy Spirit, you know, to go what you did to where this tragedy took place. And it is here in this moment of crisis where your soul is so disturbed that God speaks to you in his word in Habakkuk 2.14 and this vision is poured out. And the reason we're talking right now is because of that moment. We would not be in ministry together uh, without that vision, I believe. And the Lord brought us together, 360 Serve, together with you. And um, our, our listeners are hearing kind of all of this, how God worked this out in your life and in our lives. And, and, and I just know, I mean, I know you're a humble man, but it's so beautiful how God has blessed the vision, you know, of this, his vision to this point. I mean, uh, today, in just a general sense of terms, you know, what has God done, Pastor M? Yeah, you know, I can say that, uh, you know, uh, uh, when I started our ministry, I was like only myself and my wife, my brother, just like a you know, just praying and thinking and started to work hard and God blessed. Now I lead a team of over thousand church planters who wants to see a church in every villages of Northern India. And today, tens and thousands of, you know, church has been planted across Northern India, um, you know, and millions of people are coming to Christ. Mm. God is doing historic things. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, there are a lot of things that I can uh, share with all of you, but God is doing tremendous work. I feel that this is right time, especially for this Northern India. Uh, you know, I, I feel that by 2030, every villages will have a church in Northern Amen. India. 
So I just want to ask all of you uh, to continue praying. And I want to request all the 360 serve family, please be continue praying for us and support uh, church planters, mm. uh, you know, so that we can plant many more churches because Jesus talks about, you know, the harvest is, you know, is plentiful, even harvest is ready to ripe, but the laborers are few. And I am here that I'm trying my very best to produce the laborers, produce the church planters so that we can ripe the harvest. Yeah. And this is what I am looking forward. Please be continue. Praying. Yeah. Yeah. Amen, Pastor Amel. That's, you know, the, the engine of it all, you know, the workforce is what who God uses is the workers, the church planners. And like I've shared with you, our vision is to support every single church planner that God raises up uh, in the ministry that we share together, that God's called you to, that we get to come alongside as uh, a partner in this great work. So we're thrilled. I think this has been a blessing um, for our listeners to hear how God has worked in your life, Pastor M., how you've been faithful to him. Not perfect, none of us are, but you've followed the Lord. You know, I, I look at your calling from that first time, you know, when these evangelists came and 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 you said, Lord, if you answer, I will follow you. And you did. You God healed your brother. And just step by step, you've been faithful to the Lord, obedient to him as he's called you to then start a movement and so on and so forth. And look what God has done today. It's so exciting. And we're thrilled to partner together. And so, Pastor M, thank you for sharing with us the story of just your calling. And uh, we're blessed by it. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor M, for sharing with us this personal story of your call into church planning ministry, how God took you where you were, revealed himself to you in the ways that you have described, and has given you such a clear vision for planting these 242,000 house churches, a little lamp in every village in North India. What a great scripture that God has given to you from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14, that says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Imagine all of North India, 600 million people living in these 242,000 villages, each village containing a house church, declaring the knowledge of the glory of Jesus. Here's your action step of the day. Support an Indian church planning pastor for $50 per month. $50 per month, that's less than $2 per day, sends an Indian church planning pastor into full-time gospel ministry. It allows them to quit their job where they're making $1 to $2 a day and serve the Lord full-time. If the Lord is speaking to you about this, go to 360serve.org, click on Give, click on Support a Church Planner, and you're in. We will mail to your home the profile of the Indian church planner you'll be supporting so you can begin praying for him or her as you are in partnership with them in church planning gospel ministry in India. What an honor for us to support a church planner, sending them, partnering with them to plant multiple house churches and reach thousands for Christ in these unreached villages of North India. Why? So that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Thank you for listening and for acting upon what God is speaking to you about today. I pray that you've been encouraged and blessed by what you've heard today. Share this podcast with a friend. I can't wait for our next episode as Pastor M 
will share with us how church planting takes place in India. How is it possible to plant 242,000 house churches? You need to have a church planting plan that is from the Lord and that is blessed of the Lord. Get ready to hear about the training all the church planters you support experience. And get ready to be introduced to those who are called master trainers. You're going to learn about a strategy, a philosophy of church planting in India that will surprise you, inspire you, and amaze you. Until then, may the Lord bless you.